This is Glenn Crooks on frame. Before Tavon Gray reached his 12th birthday, he would go to Valley Park near his home of the Bronx for kick-arounds with his father, Kevin, a former pro player in England, and other older men. The setting was informal outside of the regular club team environment, and it was a critical component in Tavon's growth. Tavon Gray, a New York City FC Academy product, signed a homegrown contract recently with NYCFC. He's the fourth homegrown and the first from the Bronx Borough. Gray will join the first team full-time for the opening of preseason on January the 11th. On the day he signed, I visited City's training facility in Orangeburg, New York, where I had a sit-down. Conversations with Tavon Gray, new sporting director David Lee, and the academy director Sam Pugsley about a young man who spent many a day training with the first team in 2019 at the age of 16. You're, uh, you're born in the Bronx. Yeah. Grow up in the Bronx. You know, how do you really uh, get into the game and get into the game in a serious way? You have influence from your father, but but how about your your neighborhood and and the initial clubs that you were part of? Um, my dad used to bring me to like uh, soccer games of his, like little just friendlies and stuff like that. And um, I met a bunch of friends, you know. And then I just just started playing soccer for um, a team called Bronx Youth in the Bronx. So yeah, I just started there and just worked my way up. So when your dad's out playing or you're going to, to, to watch him, did you ever uh, get to the point where you would get a little bit of a kick around in yourself? Oh, just, yeah, for just sure. Just get out and play? Yeah, for yeah. sure, all the time, all the time. So you would think you're, you're in the Bronx, street soccer, pickup soccer, that, that's, that's part of the deal. Can you describe how, how you played like that, you know, with your dad or with your friends, you um, know, outside of like a formal club? I think that helped my, like, competitiveness. So, like, we just play, like, so competitive that, like, when I come here, it's just kind of like it's not it's not nothing I can't handle, you know. So yeah. So you're playing against older yeah guys yeah a lot of times yeah. like adults yeah. And how old are you at the time when you uh, when you're when you're in there? Twelve, eleven. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So that really helped prepare you. When uh, when did you make the transition, or when did you know you were transitioning from um, the the Bronx club you were in to uh, to New York City FC? How, how did that work? Um, I went to a few teams before New York City. Um, I went from Bronx Youth to SDFC and then to Cedar Stars. And then after Cedar Stars, I came here, which was uh, 2017. So, yeah, um, right then there, uh, like, the club was new. So I saw myself, you know, playing pro for this team. I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like I can do very good at this club. So, yeah, and then uh, when I made the transition, uh, the academy just brought me in, you know, and um, taught me a lot of new stuff. Technically, tactically, because physically I was up to par, but I was just lacking in the technical error of the of playing. And um, yeah, I feel like New York City helped me with that a lot, for sure. Let's talk about both those parts. So technically, what what do you think that you lacked coming in, and how have you gained in that area? And um, and, and how did it happen? I'd say them realizing when to push me up. So as you've developed, they don't keep you in one place, you know, if you're doing good, no matter what age you are, they continue to push you and push you and see where you end up, so, yeah. So it's not, it wasn't act your actual working on specific techniques, it was more playing up and playing with where the game's faster and then that's how you developed it? I feel like, yeah, I, f I just feel like me realizing that, like, you need to step your game up, like, you're playing with older guys just, like, helped me. And I feel like they knew that, so they just pushed that. I guess I'd say it's different for all the players, I guess. Yeah. How about the tactical side? What uh, What were some of the specifics that, um, you, that you picked up on that, that 
really helped you advance? They definitely helped me with the understanding of the game, just doing your role. So I'm a defender, and, like, I remember when I came here, I'd be doing other stuff, you know, besides doing my role, and that would, like, cause bad stuff to happen during the game. So, like, they taught me a lot of the understanding stuff. So, for example, um, would you dribble a little too much at yeah, the back, exactly, that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So now you're moving the ball more quickly, yep. but you're still a vital part of the attack, right, yeah, in, yeah. in that respect. Describe that. Um, I feel like I've become more of a playmaker and in the back because you have to be able to break lines and all that stuff. So, yeah, they taught me how to do that, of course. And then going with um, uh, USA, it's just even more because they just help you to play there. So your experience on the uh, youth national team level is um, in combination with this, uh, the, the academy level. What did you take that you learned from here and were able to implement it there and, and become a big part of it? You started a couple of games in qualifying. Um, it definitely helped me because it's not a, like, the level's not far off. We play at a pretty high level here in New York City, so when I went there it was very easy to compete. You have this confidence about you. I'm sure. just, we're we're yeah. looking at each other. You carry yourself confidently. How did that? Uh, how did that come about? Why? Uh, how did that become part of your your makeup? This this confidence, which is I would imagine is pretty important for how you succeed as well. Um, I just feel like uh, like the more you work, there's no reason to to like feel nervous or anything like that. So if you're working for it, there's no reason why you should be nervous. I'd I'd love to. Talk to you a little bit more about uh, your relationship with your father and how he, how he helped along the way to have a professional soccer player as yeah. a father and and, and what, what were some of the things that you felt like you really uh, gained from from him? Um, to be honest, just work for what you want in life. To be honest, yeah. So like um, like I said, he showed me what I wanted from a very young age because I saw him play and I was like, yeah, I, I definitely can do this. Then after that, I was just. Working my butt off, you know, trying to get to the highest level. Did Did you train with him? Like train like, yeah, your he, father he as your individual coach in some some respects. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he definitely taught me everything I know. <laughs> so where would you go do that? A local park or yeah, I, you, yeah. Where, where would you go? Uh, there's a park near my near my house called the Valley. So yeah, I'd go there all the time and practice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just you and your dad, or and with my some brother. friends, and your brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You can't leave yeah, your brother yeah. behind. Now, how did you, you and your brother, you, you mentioned earlier, you guys go at it yeah, a lot? Yeah, we would, yeah, definitely. One v one battle right there. So, did he did he ever score <laughs> on you? Or like, Let's just say it was even. Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> now, you're, you're, you live in the Bronx. I'm curious as to where you live in relation to Yankee Stadium and the New York City FC first team and their home matches. I mean, what was that like? So, you, you come, you're, you're now a member of the academy, and – they're in your backyard. Yeah. Um, it's really close to my house, about 20 minutes. So, yeah, 20 minute train ride. <laughs> so, you get on a hop, uh, subway and yeah, then get yeah. off at 161st? Yeah. yeah. And that's it? Yeah. I don't know about now, but <laughs> before, no. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where would you sit for the games? Did um, you have special academy seating or were you? Yeah, uh, we had special academy seating. Oh, okay. Seats. All yeah. right. Wasn't sure if you were out with the supporters or not. <laughs> so, but what's that like? I mean, you're now you're, you're in the academy, you have this dream, and there you are looking out and so uh, you got to see David Villa play. Did you ever train with Villa? No, I came the year after. But you have trained a lot with the first team. We were just, before we came on uh, and, and, and start this recording, you said it's been well over 20 times this past year. Yeah. So describe what, what that's like. I mean, here you are with uh, these guys that you, you know, many of whom you, you would watch from the stands and now you've gotten to know them really well. 
Um, uh, they definitely are very good people. You know, they just brought me in, and from the beginning, just told me, don't be nervous. You know, play your game, and from there, they just helped me. So yeah. Who is there? Anyone in particular at the back that you've uh, been able to talk to and, and talk about playing out there? Uh, Seb for sure. Um, and um, Maxime, yeah, for sure. They definitely helped me out a lot. A couple of good center backs. Yeah, for sure. What kinds of things can you can you share? Uh, maybe some of the some of the bits of advice that they gave you. I mean, it could maybe maybe there have been attention to detail kind of things, yeah. or or things that maybe a little bit more just widespread. Um, what do you think? Uh, I say holding the line, like on certain stuff. I tend to drop before them, or like little stuff, like when to step or when to drop. Yes, just little stuff like that. Just help me with. The organization stuff, yeah, which goes back to when you joined the club, is learning how to play tactically a little yep. bit, a little bit more. So, for those who haven't seen you play, how would you describe yourself? What's your self evaluation? You know, what what do we see when, when we see you play? Uh, I'd say a hard worker. Yeah. How about you? Can a little bit more. I mean, <laughs> what what, what, um, what else do you bring to the game? Um, There's a passion there. I've seen you play. Yeah, There's a passion sure, there, isn't sure. there? Yeah. yeah, passion. Uh, I say I'm a hard worker. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good leader. Yeah, I like to lead, so, yeah. We have heard that about you, so um, the remark I heard is that you are very good with the younger players, and at, at first I was like, well, he's a young player. <laughs> so this is a a, a, a great quality then. Yeah. To, have you always been uh, the leader on your teams? Yeah, yeah from a very young age, all the, since I was probably like 10, 9, yeah, I've always been a leader. So this is another thing. So you're comfortable in that kind of a role. Yeah. And it goes back to your confidence. And so this is, uh, I'm sure this is part of your upbringing. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you credit the, the ability or the desire to lead? Uh, I just say my passion, you know, and then growing up, just the understanding of the game. So I feel like once you understand it, why not teach everyone else? Yeah. <laughs> and you like kids? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do do you do you actually train any kids like younger? Oh yeah, like my little my little brother for sure. Now how old's your little brother? He's seven. Seven. Yeah. Is he on a team? Oh uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. But you work with him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Does he listen? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. My dad has like a um, a soccer school, Nivek soccer school. So he just um has like his own like little team and stuff like that. So like he just trains them, but it's like nothing with the league. It's just training. So uh, you arrive at the academy, and you, you talked about how uh, it really influenced you in a positive way, technically and tactically. Who are some of the people you worked with? I mean, we've we've talked to Rodrigo uh, many times, Sam Pugsley many times. So uh, just uh, give us a give us an idea of what that's meant for you. Um, I'd say they definitely have a good system here because when I went to Rodrigo, I was a little like um, like he'd say I did stuff like. Uh, like, I'd make a mistake, you know, and I like, didn't want to hear it, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of just, like, like grow with him, grow with him, you know. And, and I actually came to get better because he's obviously doing something right. So, yeah, so through that process, he definitely helped me a lot. And then from Rodrigo, I went on to Matt Pilkington. So, and, like, it's probably, it's like a total different play style. So, like, like, not play style, but coach. So different personalities, you know. So Matt's a little laid back. So, like, you you gotta like uh, pay attention to little details more because I'd say Rodrigo um, would help me more because I was at U17. But I feel like once you got to U19, Matt kind of gives you that little leeway to do it yourself because you're U19 and the next thing after U19 is the first team. So yeah. 
Yeah, so contrasting styles, which yeah. uh, as a player you have to get used to anyway. As you yeah. go down the line, you're going to get with different coaches. The ability to play and win uh, a DA championship with the U19s, what was that experience like? Oh, uh, that was a good experience. You know, um, I was there for the first year, but I didn't, I didn't play. But So I guess that was a good experience for me, and then next year we went on to win it. Against the Galaxy, right? Yeah, the Galaxy. I, that I, was quite a game. Yeah, that was a really good game. <laughs> James scored the winning penalty. That was beautiful. It was. <laughs> Tavon Gray describing the game-winning penalty by James Sands. That's when the U19s won their second consecutive national title. One of the guys who has had his eye on Gray for quite some time is David Lee, recently promoted from technical director to sporting director. We knew of him actually before he joined, before well before he joined the club. He was in kind of the mix for our very first academy uh, age group with uh, James and Gio and Joe Scali in that kind of first 2002 group, um, he decided to, to go to Cedar Stars. Um, and so we kept tracking him and following him and were able to get him into the club in 2017. Um, so we've been following him for a long time. Um, we knew he had a lot of potential and he's now starting to realise that potential. And uh, particularly over the last 18 months, his development has really progressed really, really rapidly. So we're really excited by, uh, by what's to come for Tavon. What what did you first notice about him that attracted you and wanted wanted you to get him integrated into the club? I think he's he's a great personality first and foremost. He's a terrific kid person. Um, he's really lively. Um, he's a good leader. He's very athletic. Um, he's quick. Um, we've seen him play in multiple positions. He's played as a centre back. He's played as a right back. Um, he's played as a number six in holding midfield as well, both for the national team for us here and for the, and in the academy age group. So versatility is really really useful. Um, and I think we we've just seen a player that we think we've we've got a lot of potential that we need to get into our environment every day, um, work with our first team coaching staff, and improve um, improve over the next coming years to hopefully play for our first team. Yeah, his name has come up as the next homegrown for some obvious reasons. We see him out at first team training all the time. Then he's with the youth national team, starting for them in the World Cup qualifying. But what were uh, what were the traits, and, and at what point did you did you really feel like um, this could could uh, could be a first team player in New York City? Yeah, so I think um, probably building into the first trip, he came preseason uh, to Abu Dhabi. Um, that was kind of the point where we really started discussing him being a first team player and so that was obviously nearly 12 months ago now um, but he came to first team pre-season he did well in Abu Dhabi um, went back into the academy and obviously as you say been training with our first team regularly through through the season so it's been a constant discussion to try and see when when was the right time to try and get him signed um, Tavon had interest from other clubs abroad um, and so we were navigating that with him and his family as well um, to try and make sure that he made the right, right decision for, for himself um, to sign, and we're really, really pleased that he believes that New York is the right place for him to, to take the next step in his career. So he was somewhat sought after? Um, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A player, player of Tavon's qualities with the national team. Um, there were many clubs reaching out to us, had interest. Um, he's visited some clubs in Europe. Um, so that was all part of the process over the last 12 months or so. Um, we've worked with him and his family on it to, to make sure he was comfortable and tried to give him the time and space he needs to make the right decision for him. Um, it's important that Table makes the right decision for him and his family, and we're really proud that that decision is to sign with New York, and we it's obviously the decision we wanted, and we've spoken to him regularly over the last 12 months to make sure he knows how much we value him, what we pathway we, we're going to hopefully create for him to play in our first team and to maximise his potential. And this is part of the, uh, the strategy and challenge uh, of the club is... You 
you're trying to develop players, and sometimes you'll sell them, and sometimes you'll keep them, right? I mean, that's that's uh, unfortunately uh, Tavon is staying on. Yeah, exactly. We're you know every player's situation is different. Um, there's no no one player situation, family situation. Um, is identical and so we've got to work with all of our academy players to try and our goal for the academy is to maximize the potential of every player in the academy and we've got to work with their families and the players themselves to try and make sure we do that and so um, it was a it was a big part for Tavon um, over the last 12 months particularly and we're really excited that he's going to be in our first team uh, training with our first team and it's important that Tavon knows and he does know that it's the first step signing a contract's the first step in his in the next part of his career um, it's, it's, it's not finished. It's the first step and he needs to continue his development, continue the progress he's shown over the last 12 to 18 months. And you know, if he continues to do that um, in the environment we have and with the players we have supporting him and the coaching staff, I think he's going to have a really bright future. And it would seem with uh, Maxime Cheneau and Alexander Collins, who have signed contracts which would keep them here you know, beyond 2020, there, there's no rush to get him in, but this is going to be an environment where he can really grow maybe because of that. I th- I think we never want to put a time on it. Um, I think if you probably asked um, the coaching staff before preseason last year if James would have been in the starting eleven the first game of the season, I don't know what the answer would have been. James came in and performed outstandingly well in preseason and earned the right to play, and then continued to earn the right to play throughout last year. And the same for all the academy players. Our job as a club is to provide a pathway so they can play. Of course, Max and Cayennes and James are. are three fantastic centre-backs and Tavon will have a lot of competition and we've got to make sure his development is at the right pace and the right speed but we've also got to provide him opportunities so that if he's performing and doing well then he has the opportunity to play Um, and that's the motto for the club to make sure we give those young players the chance to play when they deserve to play. And I guess the next thing is like which academy player will be a pre-season for you this year that you'll eventually uh, sign to the next homegrown? Yeah, the, this is this is part of the process, right? So we started a few years ago with James, the first academy player that ever came to preseason with us when Patrick was here, and ended up signing a contract shortly after that. Joe was at the next preseason and signed um, with Justin, and so there's uh, it's it's part of our process. You know, we want to invite the players that perform well in our academy. You know, we're constantly speaking to the academy coaches, the academy staff to find out who's performing well who deserves the right to, to come to preseason and, and to be around our first team, who do we think has the level, has the potential, um, has the professionalism to, to handle that. And if they do that, then there's an opportunity there for them. And you know, players need opportunities. They need the opportunity to show a coach that they're ready. And uh, Tavon did that, and we're really excited. And for sure, there'll be more coming to every preseason from now from here on out. Could you describe specifically, because he talked about he got into the club and uh, technically and tactically, he became much more aware of what he needed to do. Can you, what were some of the things that, that what are some of the things that you've seen in his growth to become a professional? I, I think the reality is our our coaches in the academy do an unbelievable job in pre- preparing players to come into the first team. So I think it's no surprise that players, whenever they join our academy, under 12, under 13, under 15, under 17, there's some time needed to adapt to the way we play. Um, we obviously have a very specific style of play um, in the academy that's been forged over the last three, four years with excellent work from everybody. And players need time to adapt to that. So um, whether that's technically, um, we're going to build build out from the back, so particularly a centre-back in Tavon, or um, if he's playing as a number six or even as a right-back, you know, you need to be comfortable on the ball because you're going to receive a lot of the, a lot of the ball near, in your own defensive third to find passes under pressure. Um, he's really improved and I think... 
you saw, you know, you've seen for the U17 national team, he's been outstanding. He really has. He's been, um, you know, I think from 12 to 18 months ago, probably being on the fringes of that national team um, kind of selection pool to then kind of slowly growing into a key player in that. And then at the qualifying for the World Cup, he started to play regularly um, and proven that he, he should start. And then he goes to the World Cup and, and starts um, for the U17 national team. It's an amazing achievement for him and shows how much he's focused on his development and how much all the coaches have worked with him to, to enhance his development. So I think the reality is there's there's lots of areas where every player needs to improve and um, coaches are experts at identifying what those are and working with them at it. Is there a way to measure international experience versus domestic experience, how much that helps a player to grow? I don't know that you can measure it. I think it's it, we have to take it as a sign that if, if Tavon's the starting centre-back for the US U17 national team, that says quite a lot um, about the qualities that he has. Um, if you're in the under-17 national team pool, like, it says a lot about the qualities that you that you have as a player. Um, I don't think it's... It, it's easy to weight that versus the domestic experience he gets with our academy. All the experiences we kind of try to bundle together to form part of their development. So Tavon's international experience with the U17s gets added on to the great work our academy coaches do, or Rodrigo and Matt and Sam as academy director to enhance his development. And so, um, you know, playing with better players, being around uh, the, the top US players in the country um, is only going to enhance his development even further. And so we've certainly seen that um, in the last. 18 months. One final thing. Uh, he's from the Bronx. So when you talk about homegrown, I mean, you play your home matches in the Bronx. And so this is as homegrown as it gets, I think. Yeah, it's really, you know, we've had James from Westchester, Joe Long Island, Justin Brooklyn, and now Tavon Bronx. So we're, uh, you know, shows when we look at the map of the academy players we have, we're, we're spread out over the, over the whole area. We have players from everywhere. It's really exciting to be our first Homegrown player from the Bronx. I'm sure it won't be the last. I'm sure we're going to have plenty from there. Uh, we've got to continue to identify the best talent in the region, and it's great for Tavon. Um, it's, a, it's a really exciting time for Tavon, and we couldn't be prouder for him and his family for all the work they've done, all the sacrifices they've made to get Tay to this point, and looking forward to looking forward to seeing what's what's next, 2020. NYCFC Sporting Director David Lee, and a comment that really stood out to me, even though Gray was in the academy. The quote went like this. We've spoken to him regularly over the last 12 months to make sure he knows how much we value him. Another person in the organization who has a high regard for Gray, he oversees the NYCFC Academy. That's Sam Pugsley. For me, Tavon, in the same vein as what Justin was, a kid from the city and, and Tavon being from the Bronx, I think it's sort of all of them are special, but, but really having the Academy based in New York City it helps tell that story even more, and you know, obviously, he's 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 from the Bronx, and he's he's done an outstanding job here, and you know, not only that, but being from the Bronx, but having the pathway that he's had to get here, I think, has been outstanding. He he was in some talent centers many years ago, um, which is sort of which is part of our our hierarchical scheme here to get into the academy. Um, you know, I think he and his twin brother were were very good players in the era before, um, but he came to talent center did well. Uh, and eventually came to us and then just matriculated and matured through the academy, and we are here today. But the Bronx, I mean, he said he's 20 minutes subway ride uh, to go yeah. see Yan uh, Yankee games. Well, Yankee games. <laughs> you can see Yankee games Yankee there, games too. Yankee games and New yeah. York City yeah, games, yeah, yes, exactly, yes. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, which, which makes it more special, right? I mean, he's literally in the shadows of, of Yankee Stadium. And, um, yeah. you know, being able to, to tell that story and, and really have it come to fruition of, of why we have an academy based on the five boroughs, 
and the, and stories like his is, is makes it all that much more special for sure. So he uh, he emerged with his twin brother, and he talked about some of the travails sure. that his uh, his his brother is going through, and and that's uh, and then he also in a shy way talked about he likes being a leader. So can you describe his uh, leadership skills? Yeah, listen, T- Tavon is, when you watch Tavon play, whether it's here or in training or at the national team, I think it's quite evident to see his, his joy of being on the field. I mean, he's always playing with a big smile. And I think that transfers to everyone else in the academy, not just on the 17s or the 19s as he matriculated up through here, but within the academy. I remember in preseason this year, we go away for about 10 days in preseason with, with some of the groups. Um, actually, all the groups, but they sort of split times. Tavon came a little late because we were doing some national team stuff. And his the 19s were sharing some space with the 12s. And he came in late, and he actually went and sat down with the 12s and just started asking their names and you know doing different handshakes with them. And I think for me, that's, that's the type of family atmosphere and the type of leadership that you want from your, especially your older players. And even more so, even the players that you want to get uh, to the first team. So things like that are important. Um, so he's so, doing things like that on his own. It's on just, his own. It's on just own. who he is. Yeah, completely unprompted. And I think, I think it's good to see it, right? Not only because Taylor's a great player and he does he does the right things on the field and he's he's a good leader in that capacity, but for the 11, 12, 13 year olds that are away on preseason, oftentimes their first preseason, and even being away for, from home for the first time, right. these kids are nervous. And so to have a leader and someone they look up to um, come and just sit with them and you know give them handshakes, I think it's it's a cool story. And it's funny because sometimes you see like the the 12-year-olds, most of the time, when they say, oh, who's, you know, who's your favorite player at NYCFC? Oftentimes it's a James, it's a Justin, it's a Tavon, it's an Andres. It's, it's these guys that they've seen go through the system and are sort of on that precipice now of getting a homegrown contract or going a preseason with the first team. So um, is that wraps because, everything up nicely. Is that because it's a, like a vision for them that it, it, it could be them? I think, is, yeah, think that's I what think they so. See? I think so. I mean, they, they, they see them almost every day, right? So we, as, as you know, we train at St. John's, and we have, there's one pitch there. And so the 12s, 13s, 14s train early, and the 15s, 17s, 19s train after. So there's always this sort of crossover time period where all the older boys and the younger boys are coming off and on the field. And um, it's cool to actually see that happen because the times are so quick when you get on the field, get off the field quick. You don't have time to communicate, but when you're in those in those situations, when you're away for preseason, the extra time, and for someone on an older team to spend that extra 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking, whatever it is with them, it goes a million miles and helps helps promote the culture and the family atmosphere we want here. It, are there other things that you can do to to get those teams together at times? Um, maybe it's off the field, you know. We, we, you sure. understand training times, sure. and you only have a certain amount of space, and you have to just go boom, 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 boom. But how about other times? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the things that we've really tried and still recently is the actually attending first-team games. And so we'll actually cancel training days on Wednesday, midweek fixtures, and say, no training day, everyone's going to the game. We sit together in one section. We'll actually do learning objectives from older to younger boys, um, make sure they're sitting accordingly with each other. Um, but s- certain things like that that – it's such a little thing, and it's relatively easy to execute. But again, it goes a million miles for the interconnectivity within the six teams that we have here in the academy. Yeah. So during the first team games, <coughs> you'll have a, a, an older academy kid with maybe a younger, and they're the ones that are going to be kind of discussing what's going on. Something yeah, listen, like that. Exactly. And if, if we, you know, positionally, do we pair them up? Do we make sure they're watching certain players, whatever it might be? But you know, we make cognizant efforts to make sure that everything's, you know. There's a, there's a rhyme and reason behind everything we do. It's not uh, sometimes sometimes it's willy nilly and it works out, but uh, most of the time it's planned. So, 
So Tavon Gray, yeah, number four. Uh, where do you, considering the club was uh, and the academy was born in 2015? Yes. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, uh, I know the club was. I <laughs> had to reflect on the academy. The how do you um, how do you judge you know the level that you've achieved on the academy um, signing homegrowns uh, are you on schedule ahead of schedule sure. a little behind what, where, where do you where do you put your path right now Yeah, listen, I think I think in the relatively short existence of the club we've had good success of signing homegrown players right he's Tavon's the fourth um, you know obviously a lot of that who's going to be the fifth. Well, uh, if Nicole wasn't looking at me, I could give you some, uh, <laughs> some, maybe for the next one, maybe for the next one. We'll see. All joking aside, I mean, we, you know, we've, we've, we've had some. Well, you can, some, you can kind of see who's like in the mix, and you, yeah, you yeah. get the idea that there could be that. Yeah, exactly. Could be Andreas exactly. because he's had uh, the same kind of experience as Tavon. Yeah, he's he's do, he's done very well, right? I mean, yeah. obviously representing the national team in Brazil and um, you know, the back-to-back championship, being an integral part of that team, he's done quite well. But you know, T- Tavon's Tavon's done quite well as well, and I think you know, for me, he didn't come in as sort of a world beater as well. Obviously, he's he's had enough talent and to be here at the club and do well. But you know, his maturation and matriculation, you know, a lot of credit to Rodrigo and Matt and what they've been able to do with these past couple years with him because he's really pushed him uh, all the way to the national team. And he, he, you know, I know the team didn't ultimately do that well down there, but I think he had some good games, red card aside, I suppose. So, <laughs> which we won't talk about anymore. But No. Um, but yeah, no, you're the first one to bring it up, David Lee and uh, Tavon. Neither one of them said anything about a red card. Well, it's, it's out there. I think it's everybody a, saw No, it, we so. saw it. <laughs> Fair. No, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it on the lowdown. Um, but him, uh, what, what are the, the qualities that make him a, a pro? Why did you guys sign him? I mean, if you look at the whole of sure. Tavon. Yeah, listen, I, I think it's something that we don't, we don't obviously take lightly. You want to make decisions and write because one of the things that we, we preach is not only developing the player here, but developing the person as a whole. Sometimes a, a person's personal path can have a different pathway. And I think, you know, you look, you look at Tavon and sort of the uh, intangibles that he checks off, obviously his play on the field, his aggression, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a great one-on-one defender. I think you know technically there's some things that he still needs to mature up. But he's still a young boy, right? And so he's gonna he's gonna come into the first team and get to the next level of players at the first team, and really continue to to hone his craft. And I think um, again going back to it, I know I just mentioned it, but the but the credit is to to Rodrigo and Matt for getting him prepared for that. And I think you know one of the things that has been very helpful here at the club is that any head coach that's been here has been very accepting of academy players of course, at a certain level, coming into training sessions and coming to preseason and making sure that they're getting reps and opportunities to be out there and showcase what, what the potential is. Um, and I think, again, I think that's, that's part of sort of the, the nuance of being here where the coaches are sitting right here and the academy staff sits next to them. They pass each other every day and they have these impromptu conversations. Say, hey, who's next? What about this position? And in, in two days, we, you know, Anton's going away to, uh, to national team duty. We need a right back, whatever it might be. Um, it lends itself to that, and I think, you know, he he got, had those opportunities. We gave him the opportunities, and he, he succeeded and proved himself. Um, I think I think you know we've we've talked about this before, Glenn. Is I think you know for us is we don't have that traditional pathway of, you know, we've got six teams, the twelves, all to the nineteens. We don't have a second team, and I think I think a lot of people externally look at that as a negative, and I think people see that as saying, well, you know, what about the players who are sort of in between, and and what happens if they're not ready to go to college? Is like Yes, it, they do go to college, 
Um, we we want to make sure that they they do well here and they grow and mature here. But if they're not ready in the immediacy, they they can go off to college, right? And there's a bunch of boys that you know you're well well aware of have gone off to Georgetown and Wake and UNC and Pitt, and they're doing very well. And we continue to monitor these guys. So when they come back in the summer, they can play with us, uh, and we'll, we'll continue to hash these conversations up. And I think I think it's important because. You know, e- even even when a player goes to a university and sometimes it doesn't work out at that university, they're part of the NYCFC family. So bringing them back after maybe not a great positive experience wherever they went off to, um, they're still part of the family. And they're still coming back here and we'll give them training sessions. They can rejoin the team in the academy if they're age eligible. Um, or even or even come to the first team trainings, ultimately. If, you know, if, if they've come back from university and it hasn't worked out and they're in between, come to first team trainings because that's, that's happened in the past as well for us. So. I'm curious, does the club have a stance, and I don't know how it would work, you know, Sasha uh, at University of Maryland has sure. the uh, the full academic calendar year uh, that is going to be voted on in the spring yeah, of 2020. Up. Up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how important is that, uh, just from your, from your end, there's a lot of different variables, but from your end to have a kid in a, a what would be a more professional environment? Yeah, I, I, the bottom line is the more soccer, the better, right, and more consistency, is, is better. I think I think it would be good. I think the landscape of youth soccer is ever-evolving, whether it's the DA, whether it's initiatives by the league, whether it's initiatives by, by universities and colleges, whatever, it's always sort of changing. And so we have to be on our toes and, and, and be able to adapt to that. But at the same time, we have to take our what our, we, we believe is the best pathway and make sure that it, that comes to fruition. I think it's interesting because one of the things that we've been throwing around recently is and I'll ask you the question, actually, Glenn, is why, why, why do we stop in the summer, especially in the Northeast? Why do we stop playing in the summer? Right? There's no school, right? There's no, fields are available. And you can't I, even. You can't even. You can't have a conversation about uh, one of your players on the collegiate level after you watch them play, maybe in a summer league game. You can't talk about their performance with them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. For instance, yeah. I, mean, I don't know the answer to that, yeah, other maybe. than it's uh, NCAA has interesting uh, yeah. way of uh, you know going about that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But even but even on the academy, if you extrapolate it down to the academy level, it's okay. Like, yeah, outside like, of college. Outside yeah, of sure. college. Yeah, sorry. It's like why we talk about the time is just is is more, and you know with with facility issues here in the winter, right? Bubbles yeah. at a premium and prices for bubbles, and why not that be the break? And how do we how do we sort of change? That's one of the things we've been sort of discussing, and it's not easy because you're changing the culture and the mindset of of a region. But how know, are you addressing uh, increasing the competition level for your yeah you fifteen sixteen seventeens eighteens nineteens where more than one person has said that that's uh, and talked to David about it sure. a little bit too. You know, it's, yeah. it's been one. Uh, uh, well, it's a f- it's a future discussion with him, but but still, sure. is, is the uh, the academy and the club addressing that in any particular way? Yeah, we we talk about it all the time, and I, th- I think one of the interesting things, and credit to them, is if I don't know if you're familiar with what Atlanta's done with their 17s, for example, where they've split that group, and so one of their groups plays uh, the DA Cup, and then they travel internationally to supplement their their competition, and then they're sort of I don't know if it's their second group or their younger group of that double age group, they play normal DA games, right? Um, so there's there's unique interesting thing for me that's interesting. There's unique interesting things you can do. You know, I think the reality is, is the DA's tried to approach it, right? They've done the tiers at the 19s and um, it goes down at some point, I'm sure. But there's still games that 
you know, that maybe some of the monies could be spent better elsewhere um, in terms of traveling to places. Um, so, so we talk about it all the time. But one of the unique things is as the 12s were dropped from the DA, we had the capacity to basically make our own games program. Right. And, and we talk about internally is how our 12s games programs might be the best games program in the academy because we took the onus on and we obviously have the league that we have here in New York City and, um, and we, we did this crossover event. Have you... Did you come out to the one in Tinton Falls by chance? I did not. No. So we we banded together with the Revs, Philly, Red Bulls, DC. I, no, I remember talking about it, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you know, the point being is that we've created these competitions regionally, and it, it's might be the best games competition that we have in, in in the club. So how do we take that thought process and those ideas, or the skeleton of those ideas, and you know, extrapolate it out towards the older groups? Yeah. Um, listen, the, the DA provides a great competition. I mean, they've done. They've done a good job with, with uh, doing the tiers and making sure that we're playing MLS opponents, but um, everyone's always looking for more and better, right? So how do we continue to improve that? Competition at the U16, 17, 18 levels. Big discussion point on developing professionals in the United States. That's Sam Pugsley, director of the New York City FC Academy. So Tavon Gray, fourth homegrown for New York City. As of this recording, preseason begins in 25 days and City still without a coach. As of Friday the 13th, David Lee was still interviewing candidates with a CONCACAF Champions League match about a month away. Former coach Dome Tarant tweeted a three-minute highlight package from last season with the note, good memories. Now, some supporters have interpreted that maybe Tarant will be back in the Bronx. Well, I can confirm that is absolutely not happening, but stand by. He could be back in MLS before New York City hires a replacement. It's really been quite an offseason for former NYCFC coaches Jason Kreiss. He was in conversations to go back to Real Salt Lake. Patrick Vieira linked with David Beckham and Inter-Miami CF, and now Tehran. Special thanks to Tavon Gray, David Lee, and Sam Pugsley. New episode every week on TuneIn, iTunes, and Spotify. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.